Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 464 of the JV Club with my awesome guest, Ali Griffin Vinciano. She is, I say it in the podcast episode, a multi-hyphenate. You know, so many of the people that I have on the podcast are, but we just had a wonderful time talking about some of the many things that Allie has worked on. She is a writer on The Morning Show, which is Apple TV's show with Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon. She is an actor. She is a journalist. I mean, this is someone you can go to Costa Rica with to take writing and yoga at the same time. It's fantastic. So enjoy this episode. And I'm also so excited for things coming up for Max Fun Drive. That starts next week, my friends. So I will talk to you then. I'm so glad I got to see your uh, cute pup. Do you just have one dog? Yes. And we just got her like a month or so ago. So. Oh, yes. new dog vibes. New dog. new dog vibes. How's she doing? Is she really young? Is she, where? How, how'd that all go? She's around 10 months now. We just took her today to get her flu shot um, so she can be around other tough. dogs because we were, had taken her to the dog park and then she got a little cough and we were like, um. realized that she had all of her vaccines except for the flu. So. Yeah, yeah took care of that. She's doing well. She has a lot of energy and she like uh-huh. is really good at like sitting and staying and paw and like all of that. The main thing we're working on is the leash because this girl, she's a pit bull whippet mix and she is strong yeah. and she sees a oh, squirrel sure. and she's like bolting oh, yeah. down the street. She can yeah. pull, like I have no, my Pilates does nothing compared to her body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely had that happen with my husky, and she, yeah, she had some good pull. With my other dog, now I, she's she's much older now, so I take my younger dog on really long walks, just him and me, and uh, and I I've been just leashing him to my fanny pack, and so he's just around my waist. So and aside nice. from like, yeah, and and it definitely makes a huge difference in terms of like what he thinks he can get away with like his lunging forward towards something is very different when it truly is I mean we joke about Pilates but like even without trying like you realize like oh no this this is the full center of my body like he's just not getting that jerk that you know happens with your, with your core arm. strength. Okay, I'm your definitely going to do that because I took I've her... been enjoying it. And yeah. you have your hands free. And annoying Completely. people stop and go, who's walking who? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, do it for the community. <laughs> I took her on a hike after the vet to be like, give her a positive thing. And... There was, I 100% like just like my arm, I was like, I'm going to dislocate my arm. So next time I'm going to do the fanny pack. On this walk, she did put an entire piece of horse shit into her mouth. (laughs) I was like, oh, manure on these hikes. So I like had to like squeeze her cheeks and she dropped it luckily. And I didn't have to touch the, the horse feces. I had to pull, pull a piece of dog shit out of Jasper, my younger dog's mouth, when he was like three months old. Oh, no. And it is the most gag-worthy experience I have ever had in my life. Like, I couldn't... I don't have kids. I know it's, like, way harder in every single way and way more rewarding in every single way. That being said, because I don't have kids, like, the only maternal thing I can say is that my hand was in there so, like, so much faster than I ever would have thought. Like, oh, I just did that without thinking. Like... I don't know. I did not know I was that person that would just be like, nope, it's happening. Oh, God, I really did that. But I definitely did. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> it's, it Where's is this? I can find me water. It's the <sighs> instinct of like, you love this creature and you just do it without even thinking. And like, probably it'd be fine. He, he'd be fine if he ate that. But oh, it's just like, I wouldn't be fine. Exactly. Just knowing it. And then they like lick your face and you're like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of I mean, there's definitely a lot of like there's there's inside the house non-dignity and outside the house non-dignity with with both with kids and with dogs. Um, but, you know, for sure, just like what someone walking by as you're watching your dog take a crap and it just it feels like everyone all three people involved in that 
I guess I'm calling a dog a person in that scenario, but everybody is like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> Isn't it weird that we just stand and like, I'm just standing and watching you shit. It is. <laughs> like, I, I get so embarrassed of like my dog sometimes like that secondhand embarrassment for the them going in the bathroom. And then like, if they don't behave well in front of somebody, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's a dog. Like nobody cares. Like I don't judge yeah. other people for that. But I yeah. do feel like I have this maternal thing of wanting to like protect her from people's judgment and I think it's oh sure and it's like a pit bull thing I think I'm oh like, absolutely when you take that on you are taking on other people's paranoia which you know like all it takes is you know of the so many rescue pit bull mixes and pit bulls that have come through our neighborhood you know one attacked a small dog once and that's all it takes for people in the neighborhood you know 50 percent of them to be like i i now do not like pit bulls and it's really hard it's just hard. it's hard for everyone i get it i don't you know i don't i would feel i'm sure i'd be super freaked out if that if you know my totally. dog were but you know, it's it's also uh, it's yeah. So I totally get it. And so yeah, you needing to sort of be you, you become an ambassador of pit bulls. Oh like my God. when you have a dog that's clearly part bit pit, it's like oh my whole identity has changed now. It's like <laughs> tied to this dog I'm I'm walking. <laughs> it is so real. I like within a month of having a pit bull, I was like I'm gonna advocate for pit bulls everywhere. Like my brother sent me a sweatshirt that said like pit bull mom and like. <laughs> Because I was, like, getting so into it. Now I have all this, like, pit bull mom paraphernalia. He sent me as a joke. But um, it is, like, it's just... And I can see my dog's really good with other dogs, but I can see people getting afraid as she approaches. And, you know, I have right. to be like, she's okay, she's okay. Then again, yeah. I get it. Like, my last dog was a pit bull, too, and was not good with other dogs. And, you know, I understand why you, everyone's protecting their dogs. Yeah, but. yeah. Is it the first time you've had a young, like yes. a, like a, yeah, same, that was the same for me with this one, like really to have the, the, the unshaped clay yeah. of the, of the puppy is like, oh no, this is different. Like I fiercely loved my other dogs, but you know, taking a puppy in yeah. and, and that bonding is, it is different and it is like worth the hassle I think so it's so sweet I feel like I'm ruining her because I'm giving her so much affection and all the dog trainers are like affection should be earned and I'm like Uh, but she's cute (laughs) all of the stuff that you want like you're you're right a no yes no one is judging you because when your dog does stuff but at the same time people dog owners are I mean people sort of judge in this sort of like short-lived way because I know I do it where you know if someone's dog jumps on me I'm like oh you got to get your dog to stop doing Mm -hmm. that because I did try to get my dog to stop doing that like we're all in this together um but there's definitely something that happens with a cute puppy where yeah all the rules go out the window there's an instant like oh no like I was so judgmental of my friend's mom for like coddling her Mm. dogs and now I sort of see I'm like oh is that oh oh no in like 20 years you know, if my dog made it that long, I totally would be like, why don't you come up inside my clothes? (laughs) Oh, no, I got to stop that before it happens. Oh, my gosh. Did you grow up with pets? I got my first dog when I was in third grade, and I remember okay, being so you're a dog, very you're a dog excited kid. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that dog died the summer after my freshman year of college. So oh, most you really the, did. Yeah. And was it your dog, your dog, or would you have siblings? Was it like the family dog? My brother got to pick the dog out of a book. He like found they, my parents gave him a book of like dogs and he picked this uh-huh. one called an Entelbooker Senenhund, like a super rare breed wow. that yeah, is like a, that's a very complicated name. yes no one knows what that dog is but it's uh-huh. like a cousin of a Swiss mountain dog so I would always just say okay. a Swiss mountain dog um okay. and my parents like found a family that had to give theirs up and it was a puppy and like someone that I think the dad was allergic to it and they drove us the dog from like South Carolina or something and oh my gosh so it was to where to New York I grew up outside oh, yeah. of um, oh, woo, New York that's City a drive okay yeah. And they loved the dog. And so it was great. His name was Siggy. And Cute. it really he really became my dad's dog because my dad was the one who walked him in the mornings and at night. And like we would take him out. But um, my dad was like he was very much my dad's dog. He would sit by the door waiting for him to come home. Aww. Yeah. What is a Swedish mountain dog? I know that that's not even the dog we're talking about. But for comparison, I realize 
All I'm thinking of is a St. Bernard, which I guess is not the same as a Swedish Mountain Dog. Do you know what a Bernese Mountain Dog looks like? Like Bernadoodles so. have like the like yeah. black, brown, and white markings. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. I do know. It's like that. It's like a Bernese, but smaller and with short hair. So okay. more, not so furry. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Very, gotcha. very cute. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And was your heart broken or was it sort of, was it like, oh, was your heart more broken for your dad? When he died. And then the dog. Yeah. So, no, my heart really was broken. I remember yeah. it like I had this embarrassment about how sad I was because I was like, it's just, he's just a dog. Like, I know it's not like a human, but I was so heartbroken. You know, he had cancer and like we, I went mm-hmm. and I was in the room when they put him yeah. down and um, it was sort of beautiful because it felt like it was his time and like it was sort of a gift, but it was also so heartbroken. And I remember going mm-hmm. to work the next day and I was a canvasser for the Barack Obama 08 campaign uh-huh. on the street <laughs> asking people Love for it. money for Obama. And I saw a dog, someone walking a dog that like 10% res- resembled my dog. And I'm just sort of crying on the street. And yes. like, you know, now I don't have, when my dog died, we adopted a senior pit during COVID. And when that dog died, I had no shame about being heartbroken, even though we'd had the yeah. dog for six months. But I think, you know, I was 18 or I think it was 19. And, um, mm-hmm. but I was so heartbroken. And mm. I think my whole family was too. My parents still don't have a dog because they're like, they say it's because they don't want to have to like have a dog die. And I'm like, you, it's worth it. It's once you have yeah. a new dog, you forget that it's horrible, but it is yeah. a sad, it is a tragedy of life that dogs just live much shorter than we do. I know. I was just in Texas with my sweetie and his dad had this dog that I just instantly fell in love with. And I have like, I, I love dogs, but I don't have the instant bond with every dog like some people do where they just are dog whispers and immediately they're like, I love this kind of dog. I love you. I love your pug. I love your poodle. I love your this. I love your that. I'm like, I like all dogs um, unless they're just like horrible to me. But um, but they're just certain, you know, it's rarer that there's a dog that I'm like, oh, I would take you home right now. Like you have my house's energy. You have my dog's energy, you know, and he had this black dog named Baxter and I just loved him so much and he would um kind of snarl when he would see you he'd be so excited that his he would show all of his teeth and it was it was excitement um he's also a sneezer you know he would get real excited and sneeze and so he would show his teeth and so for a second before you know him you're like oh my gosh what is he doing but then it's like this you realize it's like this weird grin (laughs) And and he was so wonderful and he died during covid while we hadn't been able to go see his his family for a while and so this last when I was just there it was the first time I had been there since he died and I walked into that house and burst into tears and I didn't even get to spend that much time with Baxter I mean over the seven years that that my sweet and I have been together yes I've been with Baxter on a few days at a time but it's not like we lived under the same roof for any significant period but it's still I walked in and I immediately felt his absence you know it's really emotional. They add so much energy to a home. They're they really are like part of this family, and it does become so emotional because we are so protective of them. And when a dog dies, mm. it it's not that it feels like a failure on our end, although sometimes it does. It's just like yeah. a um, this like helplessness that is. It's pure, so right? Pure. It's so pure. Yeah. It's not like as complicated as when we lose uh, family members and stuff, which isn't to say that can't be super pure as well, of but. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a different dynamic. How, how yeah. was your little, is it your little brother or your older brother? My older brother. So, okay. um, yeah, I don't know why he, that was his, his job. Maybe they thought I was too young or I don't know. It was supposed to be John. Uh-huh. His name's John, John's dog. But, um, when we first got him, it was a similar thing. He's a herding dog, Siggy. And he was so strong that like, we couldn't walk him. He would just pull us and we had, we did training and he became a better dog, but yeah, it definitely took some time. So, but you were living outside of New York proper because whenever I see people walking big dogs in New York City, I'm like, God bless you both. You I don't know so how you're rich. doing that. Like, <laughs> you, you have to be. Like, you are doing very well for yourself because I every place I've ever stayed in New York, I, there's no way it could accommodate a dog. No, I mean now in LA having a yard, I'm like, how could how could anyone do this without a yard? But um, yeah, no kidding. For a big dog, 
We lived in a town called Hastings on Hudson. So it's like 40 minutes north of New York City on the Metro North. And we had a yard. So that was like huge. And there was hillside woods in our town. So a big wooded area where we would go and take him off leash. That's where my dad would take him before he went to work and, you know, throw sticks and all that. Is that near, um, what's the Halloween-y Sleepy kind Hollow. Of, yeah, is it Sleepy near Sleepy Hollow? Hollow? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's the, I was like, I know that, I know it's something that is super Halloween. I'm sure if I say Halloween, Allie will know, but I definitely could not <laughs> that's remember That's all it took, halloween Sleepy Hollow. No, exactly you what it. you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it is up there. That's beautiful country up it there. It is, it's they, Yeah, gorgeous. the woods up there. I mean, that's where people go to Leaf Peep, if I'm not mistaken. It, you're right. I, it, yeah, Definitely growing up there, I was like, God, this is such a lame town. I would never live here when I was an adult. And now in my 30s, I'm like, I would be so lucky to live in such a beautiful place and raise a family. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Is it a small enough community that like other towns are combining to for with schools and stuff like that? Or did it have no. its own like, We have high our school. own high school, Hastings High School, um, and then Blue Ribbon School, and then um, <laughs> like Dobbs Ferry. There's, it's like a collection of towns. Each town has their own high school. But we would like compete with those schools in sports. Um, gotcha. And then I think there were kids from other, like I lived on the border of a town, and I could choose which high school to go to. And oh, some nice. kids from Yonkers came to our high school. So there are, there's a little bit of mixing, but... Not much. Uh-huh. Was it so then was it like by the time you got to high school, you're like, hey, we all know each other so well. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> I fainted in fifth, fifth grade. Thir- no, I must have been in fourth grade at an assembly. And I felt like that was my reputation until I was like in high school. They're like, oh, you're the girl who fainted. And I was like, no, everybody knows. <laughs> no kidding. Why did you faint? Were you just uh, low blood sugar? I think it was something like that. I was chosen to every class had a it was a it was a storytelling competition. Every class got to nominate someone to tell a story in front of the whole school. And we all had to, like, do our stories for the class. I won or was voted to tell the story in front of the school. I was super stoked. Why couldn't why couldn't they remember you for that? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I got up to tell the story and like halfway through the story, I just started getting really dizzy. My gym teacher came up. I like fainted into her arms and I don't really know why. Dramatic. I think it was probably like dehydration and I don't know, just scared. I was scared probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you had nerves. Like were you are you a person who before you perform, you sort of get nervous? and then kind of push through it? Or are you a person where you were like, I did not know I was nervous, so it possibly wasn't that unless it was happening like on a very unconscious level? I always know I'm nervous. Like when I did improv in New York, or and I guess in LA too, like every time I would do a show, I would like feel it in my stomach. And it was usually yeah. adrenaline though. Like that, yeah. that feeling I really used and then I take it to the yes. stage and then I'm psyched and I love it. And like, um, I always feel that before a live performance. So I don't know why. Like, I was definitely a theater kid. I loved having attention. I also fainted around that time in my life doing, um, singing a Santana song at karaoke at a Mexican restaurant. So I think I might have been going through a fainting (laughs) stage of, like, my maybe I was anemic. Um, Uh Yeah, could be. I don't know. Well, and also dehydration. I mean, that is a that's a kicker for especially like when you're hormonal and like all these other things are happening inside your body. I think that's, I definitely could see that, but I do also love the idea of it happening. And I mean, that sounds terrible. Like (laughs) that's a place where it doesn't feel like maybe like, did you faint into someone's arms or it was more like, I don't feel well, let me just like take this to a seated position. Do you know what I mean? Or was it like, and then like, the weird thing is that both of those were just like, like just like falling yeah. over and luckily yeah. both times I knew it was going to happen and so some oh, okay, I, I think p- other people could tell so they like came and helped me um yeah and uh, you know in the, the in the the storytelling one it was I think it was very dramatic because I literally fell over and luckily uh-huh. someone caught me and during um the, I hate to laugh no it's please just, it is so dramatic <laughs> yeah it's like very sweet it's and I like sweet. woke up in the nurse's office like it just it was very dramatic um yeah and yeah I don't know what it was I remember my friend Nina being like I told them it's no way that you had nerves because like you're an actor and like it, they thought it was like my I had like a gluten allergy so they thought it was my allergy and I was like I don't think you faint from a gluten allergy but uh-huh. <laughs> the mystery's still out 
<laughs> the mystery is still out. Listen, you could do a whole podcast on this. <laughs> the true crime community is hungry, always, always hungry for podcasts. This could be something we get to the bottom of. Uh, we could uh, find out what the weather was like that day, yes. what the humidity level was, what percentage we're talking about. I mean, this there's would a have lot a of huge research we could do. I'm talking, it's going to stretch from Dobbs Ferry to Sleepy Hollow (laughs) and a couple of small bedroom communities in between. It's going to be great. No, I I only remember like truly fainting once and it was at the doctor's office when when I was getting like a tetanus shot or something, but the... I, but like somehow the woman hit like a, you know, Ooh. whatever you hit, like a little artery or something. Um, artery seems like too big of a deal, but I don't know. I'm not, it wasn't like she hit my aorta. Right, right. I don't know anatomy. Something but I heard her, that, yeah. yeah. And I just heard her go, oops. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I looked over as you do when someone says oops. And the vial that was supposed to be shooting into me was filled with blood and I passed out. And what I took away from that experience was how like awful physically I felt when I came to like I was soaked Mm, and I don't know if that's always happens right because I realize I haven't had a lot of conversations with people post faint like who've had fainting experiences and what they felt post fainting but it was like this weird like clammy disoriented like I felt really worried like I you know a sense of that sense of like what happened like the uncertainty of like something happened to me I couldn't control and and then, yeah, that's like smelling salts, but just being so cold and wet and just being like, I don't care for this at all. I would definitely prefer this never happen again. Yep. That's also the feeling I remember. It's just being drenched. And it's like, why? I have no idea. And uh-huh. I also just want to say, I'm so sorry that your doctor said, oops, as they gave you a shot. The worst thing you could hear in a doctor's office. Like, it's not you great. probably fainted because you heard great. oops. And <laughs> I'm sure you're right. Not because of the blood, but um, I'm sure you're right. Uh, horrible. Yeah. The, the the being covered in sweat is not a good feeling. Yeah. And even still, like now, you know, every once in a while I'll wake up in the middle of the night that sweaty and just feel like, what do, who said this could happen? <laughs> like, where did this come from? Why? Why did my whole body flush me out with all this water that it felt for some reason like had to come out? I don't know. At least you're used to being like if you came if you grew up on the East Coast, you understand humidity and your body understands humidity a little bit more than someone like me who grew up in the desert where, you know, I still go to the East Coast and feel like I can't breathe. And that sort of starts that like cold sweat process sometimes where I'm like (gasps) and people are like, that's called humidity. It's really fine. Like you are absolutely breathing normally. And you're like, am I though? This feels wrong. (laughs) I think it might actually be good for your breathing. I think it probably is. I feel like I know this from a podcast. Did you grow up in... Where did you grow up in Palm Springs or Arizona? In Tucson, Tucson yeah, Arizona. in Arizona. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when I go to Palm Springs, it feels way too much like I'm in Tucson, and it gives me like weird nostalgia vibes. Did you go through a phase where you went like I don't know what your high school experience was like, or or sort of what terms you left your town on? But because you mentioned having those sort of feelings like I got to get out of here, this is you know who would live here? It's so small, and um and like I really had this sort of exodus from Tucson where. You know, I wanted to get out and then I got out and then I didn't appreciate it for a few years. It took me a while to kind of come back and then sort of have come all the way to the point where I could see it from someone new, someone new's eyes and and go, wow, this is actually a beautiful, this is a beautiful desert. This is really special. And it's not like I didn't appreciate parts of that when I was younger, but it comes with everything else. So you sort of like with the leaves, it's like, yeah, 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 fall's beautiful, but fall also means all these other problems I have as a teenager, you know? And so I can't tease those apart. And then when you get older, maybe you come back and you sort of have the remove to be like, oh, like this is a cleaner feeling. Did you experience that at all? I, uh, yes, absolutely. I think like I, when I was deciding where to go to college, I was deciding between a school in Maine and Barnard College, which is 20 minutes from my home um, in New York City, though, a completely different world. And I had this idea, like, I have to go as far away as possible. Like, I have to get out. And now I'm like, oh, it would have been incredible to go to school in the city. Like, it wouldn't have felt like home at all. But I just had this idea, like, yeah, I'm going to go to Maine. I'm going to go to the further, you know, the furthest place I got accepted. And I think then I moved back to New York after school, but I was living in Brooklyn. And I didn't even really appreciate it then. Like, I would drive up on the weekends, you know, once a month or so to see my parents and... It felt like 
yeah, it didn't feel like a thing I sell. Like I wasn't noticing the beauty until I think I moved to LA. And now everything. Mm. And also when you go to LA, there's like all these little towns you can go to because you have a car. It's not New York where you don't have a car and like leaving the city is a huge deal. And I was broke sure. when I was in New York. Like here, it's just like, yeah. let's go to Palm Springs. Let's go to Ohio. Let's go to Santa Barbara. And like I went home to Hastings and I was like, I live in a I grew up in this gorgeous mountain town. Like the leaves are changing. The there's a river view. Like this is a town I'd want to come visit at you know on a weekend. And I think yeah. I like really fell in love with it again. And I love that. Now my parents are trying to sell the house, and I'm or they're getting ready to sell the house. And it is yeah. a weird thing of like, oh, I'm not going to be linked to this place anymore, and it's sad. Yeah. Where do they want to go? They got like a condo in Connecticut. So there you go. It's yeah. not, it's only like, it's like an hour from where they live now. Yeah. Yeah. But th it's weird when your parents cycle is like mm -hmm. your, their life cycle is different in every way. And so the idea of them being like, no, I think now we're done. You're like, well, yes, I, I thought I was done when I was younger, but maybe now I'm not done. But now you guys are done. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, hold on. Maybe we want to rethink this. Like, I totally get it. I know. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Max Fun Drive 2022 starts in just one week. Monday, April 25th. We'll have exclusive Max Fun Drive gifts, awesome episodes, bonus content, and you know what else? You'll just have to tune in. We have some tricks up our sleeve. Sleeves? Tricks? Is it plural? We'll catch you next week. The greatest time to support the podcasts you love. Max Fun Drive starts on Monday, April 25th. Don't miss it. What was your high school like in terms of, I mean, other than you being the girl who fainted, mm -hmm. um, did, you, uh, did you have really close friendships? Did you have friendships that existed outside of your high school when you were a teenager? Like, did you have friends who didn't go to your school? Did you go to like a summer camp where every once in a while, you know, I'll have someone on the podcast who's seems like such an East Coast thing that they're like, and of course I went to sleepaway camp and that was my second family. <laughs> so I'm always ready for that story. I did go to sleepaway camp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had all my, yeah, I went and visited my friends in like Philadelphia who I went to sleepaway camp with. But I wouldn't describe those friends as like, my other family like they, they I had good friends from sleepaway camp I went to two different sleepaway camps though and then I stopped going after my sophomore year and I think by the time I was a senior like I was just sort of like Facebook friends with people from camp and like yeah um not super close with them but I did have a very close friends uh, a, a group of high school friends that sort of like freshman year was like um everyone trying to like figure out where they belonged and then I feel like by the end of freshman year beginning of sophomore year I sort of formed this core group that I stayed friends with throughout high school and um I it was funny like my high school is it's very artistic so it's like there were like the like jocks and like the artsy kids but it also felt like this equilibrium of like a lot of the artsy kids were really cool and a lot of the jock like the jocks were cool too and it's this like community where a lot of people have a lot of money, but like nobody wants to like, no one flaunts their wealth. No one's in like juicy couture mm. jumpsuits. People are in like sweatpants and like what used to be called wife beaters. I don't know what people uh -huh. call them now. It's a horrible term. Like tank tops. It is so you know? Some yeah. of the stuff that we just said, because you say it, I mean, it's really, that's, it's a real lesson. And like, I mean, I never thought I, it's not, it wasn't. Like it wasn't the word wife or beater. It wasn't. You didn't think you know of it I mean? like that like, at all. It's you literally it. yeah. a one long word that sounds like two other words that you never even think about putting together. Because why would we ever put those things together? That's awful. Right. So of course it can't be that. And then you just continue to say it. <laughs> I like, remember when like I found out that it was called else. a wife beater because it's like yeah. oh people who are their wives wear, or beef their wives wear these shirts and I was like what are you fucking kidding me? No, like this is yeah. like I was shocked, and it's like oh, it it's was also right just in front of me the whole time. So, uh, totally, and it's like I'm sure it's offensive on so many levels. Like I'm sure it's like racist and sexist, and like you know what Classes. I mean. Because also, just like yeah. regular people wear 
wore white undershirts, yes, you know, 100%. tank tops or whatever. But yeah, everything that's, that's about crazy. it is wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we found one. It's not complicated at all. Yeah. It's just definitively super wrong. No one needs to hold on to that. There's no heritage involved in that. Like we can just all walk away from it. Nice and tidy. Let's do it. Let's throw uh, it out. I hope yeah. that we don't get a message being like there actually is a lot of heritage involved in this. And then I'm <laughs> then I'm ready to hear it. And I'll be very yeah. interested. I'll be very interested in what, what why we'd want to honor honor that particular term. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that you would say that. That's it's it really is interesting in terms of class to sort of see how different communities are kind of drawn together. Like I'm sure your parents were perhaps attracted to that area because, you know, it's and it's very similar in L.A., as I'm sure you know, like the way in which there's a lot of wealth here and there's a lot of poverty here and the way in which people choose to flaunt or not flaunt um, that wealth is 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 like it really differs area Mm -hmm. by area like going to Santa Monica and looking at the like the display of wealth there in the homes is very is like to me very different than being in Beverly Hills yeah is very different than being in Laurel Canyon you know what I mean and so you sort of see how these places of that even are affluent have their own like subsets of, you know, well, this is a place where everyone gives so much that, you know, they get they're like very liberal. They're very, de- you know, they're very progressive Democrats, blah, blah, blah. So like this is how they this is how they sort of process having the money they have. And then this area is like, you know, it just sort of it's interesting how those like, form. I think it's so fascinating now that I'm an adult. And there was a Pen15 episode that I really re- related to where it was like it was a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. And she had to buy like an expensive bracelet. She wanted to buy like a really expensive bracelet to show that she had money too, because like my family had, you know, we weren't living in poverty by any means. Like we had money, but my my friends were like, well, a lot of my friends were like wealthy and we were not. And um, yeah. And I remember like really like all my friends, like, you know, no one's necessarily flaunting their wealth, but people at bar mitzvahs would like I my friends were like, let's all buy her a Tiffany's bracelet. And like it was right. a huge deal to have to ask my parents to buy a Tiffany's yes. bracelet for my friends. But I was like, I need to do it. It's so important that we buy. Oh, no, yeah. it was a ring. It was a Tiffany's ring. And like the yeah. L Woods Tiffany's necklace, like uh-huh. people started <laughs> wearing that. And then I was like, I don't have this. My whole life is over. And like yeah. it was like a huge deal to wear that Tiffany's necklace. Um, yeah. which I think I then did get for like Christmas and never wore it. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even wear it. I just like needed to have it to prove that I could fit in with these yeah. people. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And ridiculous. so as I know, but it's just it, the, the, the status stuff and the peer pressure stuff is, is like very, very real. Um, and it's interesting because like everybody, you know, you may have a different experience where, it doesn't feel as acute and obvious as, you know, a wealth thing or a drugs and alcohol thing. But there are all these little ways in which, you know, as when you're a teenager and you're trying to like sort of establish your identity, it's like so hard to disentangle what feels really important from what might actually be important. It's just really hard. Um, Were you so within this kind of community, did it have like a good, did the high school sort of have a flourishing like theater department? Was it sort of, you know, well, you know, we are adjacent to New York and um, a lot of great theater happens there. So we have a very nice theater here. Like, was it like that? Uh, We had some very serious theater teachers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a musical in the spring and a play in the fall. And they were very big deals and huge events. And we had some really talented people do them. Um, And I would always do the musical, but I would never do the play, which is because I played tennis in the fall and oh, I was like, okay. I have to be like well-rounded for college. And right. But I had a horrible voice, so I would never get I would always get like little parts in the musicals because I couldn't sing. Um, uh-huh. But I loved being a part of it. I loved being in the chorus or like just like having a solo. Um, I almost got a lead once and like I was it was between me and this other girl, Joe, who's like now a professional singer and is you know, has a great voice. But I that to me felt like such a win that that like, oh, sure. That led me that like, I held on to that for like all four years of high school. Which, by the way, is like not that dissimilar from what happens in L.A. when you get That's close true. to something. It's like no one outside of this world will understand why I have to take this as a win, even though I did not get it. I will not be paid for it and no one will ever see me do it. Just getting close is like 
it keeps you going, it's you know, so because it's real. something. It's something that makes you think, well, I could have. I could have. Right. I was good enough to, but X, Y, Z reasons. Right. So, those almost, you know, they really do keep you going. The almost. Yeah. You got to be able to celebrate those almost or I don't think you'll make it because it's such a marathon, you know? It's brutal. I know. Aye, aye, aye. But I love that you had the, you know, that you didn't have, yeah, you didn't have the, the relationship to it where you were like, Oh, like I can only do the musical because of my tennis schedule. And this is going to be such a bummer because I'm not going to be the star, you know, that you enjoyed. And as somebody who, as you mentioned, taking improv, you know, that feels like of a piece where it's like, well, yeah, but it's like about the community of it. And it's about the fun and the sort of, you know, like the everybody bustling around in the makeup room beforehand and like hugging each other after the show's over and you can experience that at the level of being in the chorus as just as equally as you can truly like you really can have that same level of excitement and passion as if you're a lead it, I, I've, I've done both and they feel exactly the same quite frankly there's to me no small parts there's only small actors <laughs> <laughs> that is a great saying we gotta circulate that that's gonna get around but I love it <laughs> I, yeah, like, I just loved it. I went to musical theater camp. I only said I would do the musicals. I never said I would do the plays. Like, they, because you have to, like, check which one you wanted to do. And yeah. I was, I'm such a, like, little, also, like, I, I thought I was good. Like, deep down, I knew there was a good actor perform. I knew there was a good performer inside of me, but I was so afraid and I was so mm. insecure and I was so, you know, I, I didn't know how to make myself big and, you know, fearless. Um, so I think before I always auditioned, I was like, maybe this is my, the one I'll get. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll get the lead. Like, I think there was always part of me that believed I was good enough, which is yeah. ridiculous because I was not. <laughs> but like, there was a little <laughs> part of me that was like, I can do it. Like, I can do it. And it was a little heartbreak every time I got in the chorus, but it ne- I just wanted to keep going. Or like whenever yeah. I got like one solo, you know, or like a small part, I was like, that I celebrated that. So it was yeah. this feeling of like being part of the whole that was important and like just getting to be part of it. And I like just loved musical theater so much that it was like I, I felt like I couldn't not do it, um, yeah. which is weird. A lot of people, when they're bad at something, stop doing it. Um, and I yeah. was like, yeah, I'll, I think I'll keep going. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what that says about me. But. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. And... <laughs> Oh, that's so adorable. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. Like, I really think that's so key because it does kind of speak to, I believe it speaks to tenacity in all other walks of life. Like, I think you can sort of, ideally, at least, you could sort of apply that and see, you know, even if you don't realize you're making those choices, that ideally you are kind of still having that attitude about other stuff. And life is a marathon yeah in a perfect scenario it's I guess it can't it's not for everyone we never know what's going to happen but you know to sort of have the ability to like like isn't that kind of what we all want to have is the the desire and the ambition and the and the and the hope for this thing that feels loftier maybe than than what we're used to or than what tends to happen to us but you have that hope and then if it doesn't work out you're not dashed yeah and so to to keep being able to have that kind of cycle, I, I, I don't think I mean, I'm sure like I can see a scenario in which someone's like, oh, that's sad. But it's like, is it, though? Because that feels like the secret to life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it kind of feels like the secret approach. to life. I love that approach to it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, it, it, it's definitely a resilience thing where I do feel like I am now not because of that, maybe or but I, but I am a resilient person, I think. And I have a resiliency and I can um choose to not let something destroy me or like I I'm not someone who you know I can I'm not the I I I, it's now it takes a lot for me to feel like really humiliated or embarrassed by something like not like having to audition and not getting a part I'm sure trained me in that in a way but yeah I it was also just funny because it was like I think for a while I I think it did probably have an impact on me of thinking I wasn't a good performer but then once I started like 
making videos and acting in them and doing improv. It was this, I, I'm not going to lie. I did have this little part of me that was like, suck it. My middle school theater <laughs> teacher, fuck you. Okay I'm too. good. Like, <laughs> no, I know I can't sing, yeah, but look, I can act in, a, in this video. <laughs> yeah, that also feels earned. I mean, there's so many different places that we can get motivation. You know what I mean? And so, again, I had I hate to say it, because it does sound very like Pollyanna, but I think that that's a good balance of getting the sort of like, I'll show you, but it's not all I'll show you. Right. It's like, there's a pinch of I'll show you. There's a pinch of maybe this has been in me all along. There's a pinch of like, I don't care either way. I love doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's that's great because I know for sure I've been pushed forward by a few different things, but I absolutely know that like hurt and anger or rejection is typically not a thing for me that where if I were just if that were the only way I pushed forward I would not be happy you know what I mean Uh, like it has to be I can deal with some of that but it can't be the thing where I really feel like there are people who are like every time somebody knocked me back down it just made me stronger oh no that is I'm not like that at all like I got notes on a script from my managers and I couldn't pick it up for a week because I was like they didn't like this part like it's good you know it's still for me I still have that yeah it's hard it's hard not to internalize that stuff and you know ideally again like you sort of feel like it's it becomes the sort of product of like the the whole kind of like 10,000 hours thing where mm-hmm. if you keep doing something long enough, ideally, because I remember being scared when I came here, like, oh, I don't want a thick skin. That sounds like I'm going to be so empty. And oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to celebrate anything good or bad. And I think I've gone through p- pockets of my life where I have been like that in Los Angeles. But um, but then you're but that's even that process is part of finding your equilibrium to mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I can still be giddy about things that go well. But like by virtue of just constantly having something on the burner, you just can't hold on to stuff in this way that you're tortured by because, you know, ideally you're on to the next thing and, you know, you just kind of keep pushing forward. Are you able to celebrate things like are you able to celebrate a meeting or an audition or um, because I know for me, I was very much like that in the beginning, like celebrating just an interview. And now I don't I won't even like tell anybody until after it's real because yeah it's um I don't know why it's just like harder for me to celebrate those things yeah I get that and I think again I go through pockets it's like if it depends on what's happening in the world and what seems to be coming up the most for me so if it's like if I've gone through a run where I've just had a bunch of generals or I've just had you know what I mean like a bunch of things that didn't stick then I have this fatigue where I don't want to talk about it but then if I haven't had anything like that for a while and then I have like a great meeting then I will sort of be really buoyant about it even if it leads to nothing I'll still be like oh it was nice to check in with that version of myself you know what I mean but again I for sure have days where I'm like despondent I mean there's no there's no way like I definitely don't get up every morning like la 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 (laughs) like there's you know there's definitely days where and there's and and you have this kind of changing relationship with it like I think many of us do with anything whether especially if it's creative where you know the thing that made you feel amazing one day three days later you're like hmm I don't I kind of now feel sad about it not going I wish I could hold on to that feeling I had right after it I was celebrating it but now I'm realizing it's really that was it you know what I mean so you just have these like really these revolving relationships with all of these moments in time or specific jobs or whatever Mm -hmm. but I'm curious too when you were in high school and you were because you mentioned you know obviously wanting to be well-rounded and sort of receiving that information and understanding that as a step forward to leaving Hastings on Hudson and going to a Mm -hmm. good college and it sounds like you were in a community of people who did value higher education and that probably a lot of the parents had degrees and all that kind of stuff were you tempted to rebel against that like was there were did you have friends who were like I mean yes we're gonna do all this but like also let's get super high and ditch today or were you kind of on the straight and narrow no I I was very much both like I um smoked weed for my first time when I was 13 and like yeah. I was in seventh grade and I got like I don't know if these are things that I should be proud of I'm not proud of it but I'm like <laughs> I am um, and like my parents found out and I was grounded for a month and I also was like came home after school and did my homework every day and like I didn't smoke weed for a while after that and then I similarly yeah. like I you know we, I started drinking when I was in high school and we would like 
sneak alcohol and smoke weed with our friends. And I actually went to the hospital and I was 16 for drinking. It was on the very first time I drank. Whoa. I know. You just went for it. Fucking went for it. I know. <laughs> and then when I was a freshman in college, all people started going. I remember like one night, like 10 people went to the hospital and I was like, oh my God, like losers. Like, <laughs> I learned my lesson nice yeah. and early as you should. No, no probably not good. But similarly, like then I didn't drink for like, you know, the rest of high school or not. The, I think probably senior year I started like drinking a little bit but um so I was very much and but but my high school senior superlative was done most for the school Mm. I was the president of every organization I was like um I ran West Monk which was the model UN conference that was like every school in the community it was like 600 people coming from across Westchester and I was president of Amnesty International and the literary oh, magazine. Wow. Oh my and goodness. So I was like very So active. you weren't just like scuzzing around after school like I was like eating five bagels. <laughs> I mean the bagel store in town that was a big deal. We went there for sure. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. But yeah I think also like I That's had a lot of extracurricular stuff. Oh no stuff. I was like super active and, and over like yeah I did too much but um my brother, I had an older brother who was very cool and he was like in a band and like he always had like some like, you know, he like wore skinny jeans before it was cool type of dude and like always sure. had like a girlfriend who was like, I don't know, like into cool punk music and like he had a, he, he was very known for like being a rebel and like he, um, you know, started like drinking and then he hears it and he's smoking pot and I think then he stopped smoking pot and like became completely you know totally and became like a great student and you know he's like a genius but because I felt like I was always John's sister in high school Mm -hmm. so because Mm -hmm. I was like I have to like be my own person and I can't just like try to be John so I was like I'm gonna be really good at school and I think that was sort of like the way that I felt like I could find my own path um yeah so I think it sounds like, like you were an ideal daughter, to be honest <laughs> with you, because your parents were like, we I mean, she's never like we get a lot of time to ourselves. She's always off doing something and she's furthering like her educational career. And she made a decision to separate herself and be this great student. So high five. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I think my parents are, are, are stoked with how it turned out for both of us. Um, but yeah, it was. Also, like, I do feel like I had a, a, a desire to rebel. Like, I always wanted to dye my hair, like, blue or pink or something. And I was always afraid to. And mm-hmm. then by the time I was in my 20s, it was very, like, trendy and hip to do it. So when I actually did it, I was like, this isn't rebellion at all. This is just fitting in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Damn it! I know. I was so close. Yeah, I definitely... I, I was also in Arizona uh, this last week, and... Um, and just walking through my dad's house, like, I, you know, again, it's like sometimes you think about it, sometimes it hits you and sometimes it doesn't. And the many times I've been home since I was uh, a teenager. But this time it had been a minute again since the pandemic. I'm sure that puts a lot of things in perspective that we don't even realize are happening. But I looked at my dad's bedroom, which used to be my bedroom because my dad gave me like the little I mean, the, all the bedrooms are really nice. small because we live in a small house, but it gave me the master bedroom. My dad slept on a sofa bed Aww. because his uh, the other room was a bike room, uh, bicycle room. And then the other room was the den where he had his drums. So he was like uh, uh, like a swinging cool dude, wow. but who also happened to have a daughter. And so I had, the, you know, the only real bedroom was the one that I was in. And now my, it's my dad's bedroom. There's like no there's you would never know I live there except for all the pictures that my dad has up, like an embarrassing amount. But um, but I look at the way he's like so tidy my dad is so tidy and he has such nice taste in everything and the house always just looks perfect and I think about what he let me get away with in my room and I, st- I definitely had to like clean my room and get I would get charged for like not making my bed and stuff oh, wow. but I mean just how I decorated was just garbage you know what I mean? my <laughs> like, room back, I'm like he was so nice to let me like I mean my room looked like garbage you know even when it was clean it just looked terrible my room was always first of all just a mess like clothes all over the floor Ugh. like total yeah. disaster and then I decor I did you do this like a poster on every inch oh, of yeah. the wall every Completely inch of exposed covered unlike rolling stone articles oh, yeah. like taped up yep. like 
getting all tattered, you know. Maybe there's like a smear of ketchup on one from like when you touched it and when you were like, oh, and then I love this. Like, it just looks so bad. I, it would look horrible. And I just recently took them down. I left my room untouched until like a year ago. Um, and it was ridiculous. This like, <laughs> at, like, uh, and it's very much my personality of a teenager, like an entire wall of like playbills from every musical. And like, mm-hmm. I was in love with Elijah Wood. Uh-huh. cannot explain this but a cool elijah woodwall just like frodo uh-huh. baggins like every it was lord those of the feet, rings those hobbit, those hobbit feet. feet those hobbit feet i can't get enough of them um <sighs> yeah and like a shakespeare poster and like all these like musicals and like yeah all my friends pictures of friends it was like um and then like Amy Poehler, like all the SNL women and sure. every person who might have impacted like 1% of my personality had a spot mm-hmm. on my wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Elijah Wood. I think he's probably like the sweetest guy and, and nothing about this thing I'm about to say says otherwise at all. But ever since, <laughs> I don't know if I've said anything about this before, but ever since when they announced they were closing the Arclight, which for anybody who doesn't know it. it why would you know it's a theater in Los Angeles that's like very historical and, you know, it was it's it's this theater that a lot of you know art screenings would have whatever. Anyway, um, and it I lost a bunch of money as you do as it would during the pandemic and they announced they were closing. And um, and, you know, it's just like so much horrible stuff was happening during the pandemic. So much horrible stuff. But Elijah like retweeted the announcement that was closing and his tweet said, like, I'm just having trouble processing this. <laughs> it's like. I'm having trouble processing this, that this theater is closing. It just was so, it felt so naive to me, again, in like a very sweet way. Yeah. But it just seemed so naive that somehow I was like, oh, I hope he's able to process (laughs) this theater, the the morning of this theater. Yeah. Look, Elijah means well, and uh-huh. his as as president of his fan club, um, I don't want you to I slander his name on this podcast. I should not but... have brought it up. As I said, again, I've been given no indication that he's anything but lovely, so I definitely don't mean it as like what a jerk kind of thing. It was just a. But there was. It like... felt like something as someone who's been famous since exactly. like being a child would he's would been feel famous since he was like thirteen, and it's like yeah. you know the celebrities trying to deal with the pandemic. I think in general was a hard thing. Like the like point. the Good video. Point. The imagine video we all suffered through that and like a lot of these the tweets it was like okay we have to come back to the fact that people are like out of work can't pay rent have to pay student loans like people are dying um but didn't okay so so that little pivot but did Uh quentin tarantino buy that theater i feel like we should tell elijah oh no he didn't he didn't. He bought the Vista. He oh, bought yes, the yes, one yes, that's yes. like the corner of Hollywood and, and Hillhurst. You know what? Yeah. I used to live right by the Vista when quarantine happened and I emailed them because I had just gone there. It was the last movie I went before COVID was at the Vista. Yeah. And yeah. I had this great experience with it. With, it doesn't matter. Basically a great experience there. And um, and I emailed them to be like, can I make a donation to you guys to help you during Aww. COVID? And they were like, no, we're good. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and I thought it was the weirdest thing. I was like, I'm sh- "Your twenty dollars is not going right. to help yeah, us." Yeah, I was going like, to go ahead and let you keep that. And I was like, "I'm trying to give you money. What's wrong with you?" And then I was like, "Oh, Quentin Tarantino bought you." Okay, okay, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. If you're sick of constantly arguing with the people closest to you about topics that really aren't going to change the world, we're here to take that stress off of your shoulders. We take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal. That's right, Hal. If you have a subjective question that you want answered objectively once and for all time for all of the people of the world, questions like who's the best Disney villain, Mac or PC, or should you put ketchup on a hot dog? That's why we're here. Yes, I get that these are the biggest questions of our time. And we're often joined by special guests like Nathan Fillion, Orlando Jones, and Paget Brewster. So let Mark and Hal take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal, weekly on Maximum Fun. All right, Allie, I got to get into this uh, MASH game with you because I have talked to you. I've talked your ear off and um, we're closing in on an hour somehow. So oh, wow. the first thing I want to do for this first category is 
I gotta give you the opportunity to be the lead in some of these musicals. Oh, yeah. So we're <laughs> gonna put you with a gorgeous, crystalline, however you want your voice to sound voice. You've got it. You're going to be the lead in possibly, well, you're gonna get one of these three musicals. So give me three musicals and the character you wanna play. Okay. Um, I'm gonna do, ooh, I'm gonna do, ha, <sighs> Fantine and Les Mis. Great. Um, I'm going to do Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd, a role I think I could play even without a good voice because she's like quirky and fun. Sure. (laughs) And (laughs) Mimi and Rent. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. All right. Next category. Or let's Mary do... Poppins. Ooh. Oh, no. Do you need to do a swip swap? Does somebody need to get axed and get replaced by Mary Poppins? Um. So Mary Poppins, like, I think yes, because that is another insecurity of mine is that I'm horrible at accents. So if I could be in a world where I was okay. good at accents and I could sing, I just feel like Mary okay. Poppins would be really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should swap out Mrs. Lovett because to your point... Yeah, you, you could just you could do that. You might still be able to do that tomorrow. You're right. Okay, like, let's okay. do that. All right, M Poppins. I'm <laughs> going to shorten it to M Poppins. Okay, great. All right, let's do three places in the world you would love to have a uh, uh, a second home. You'd love to have a home that we can sort of teleport you to anywhere in the world, whether you've been there or not. We're going to assume the best of any of these places. Okay, cool. I will do uh, Bali. Great. Um. Hmm. Where in Italy is the question? Lake Como? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because this is a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and Paris. Great. Okay, great. All right. Next one, let's do three funny people. And they could be writers, directors, performers from any era that you would love to have done some kind of collaboration with, living or dead. Ooh, to be clear, I'm not saying you would be living or dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, I would love my ghost to collaborate with Gene Wilder. Um, <laughs> Three funny great. people. Um, okay, I'll. I'm thinking do... about your uh, SNL wall. Oh, that's cute. Okay, I'll do um, Lucille Ball. Great. Mary Tyler Moore. Great. And. Um... Hmm. I want to pick someone, like, also, like, maybe who I could collaborate with one day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Maya Rudolph. Great. I could see that happening for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, next category, let's do three foods that in this reality we're creating. Nothing's bad for you. Ain't got that gluten allergy. Uh, have whatever you want whenever you want it. Snap of your fingers. This is, like, my dream. Um, okay. Great. I'm going to do all gluten stuff. So I'll do awesome. Uh, just, I don't even, just a great donut. <laughs> great, 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 great. Some great, sort great. of donut. Um, pizza. Yeah. And I I mean, a pasta, I feel like gluten-free pasta, I don't feel like I necessarily need a pasta one, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe. What about just like great bread? Like, the like, like oh, the bread. I mean, yeah, I, I think just like, I don't know if it needs to, how specific it needs to be, but I think like maybe like um, a focaccia bread or like, you know, like yeah. a really great bread. Yeah. Yep. Great, great. No, it's fine. It's like we figured out sandwich bread, but I don't know that it's still hard to go get like a gluten-free bread, crusty, like break off the baguette and it's chewy and wonderful and perfect on the inside. Like that's still hard. That's like, Like oh, oh, that's what causes, gluten is what causes those, those things. I know, I know. Like I'm obsessed with the Great British Bake Off and it's like, uh, I don't know how I watch it so much, but when like you pull apart a bread and it's that, I think is what I miss of like that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it and I agree. Okay. Let's do our uh, romance and sexy times. Three people, characters, could be from any era, uh, could be cartoons, could be from a book, could be from a movie. Three romantic interests that you are going to end up with one in our MASH future. Interesting. Okay. I totally forgot that this was one. I'm so <laughs> bad at this because I'm like Elijah Wood. Um. <laughs> Happy to put him on the list. Happy to put him on the list. 
Um, I feel like my, I don't really have like a classic Hollywood crush. I mean, I guess Marlon Brando, but like, didn't he like, isn't he like a horrible person? So yeah, I'm I mean, do you could give yourself Robert one of his characters or something. Okay, great. Yep, young yep, yep. Robert mm-hmm. De Niro, like ta- like uh, Taxi Driver, like Mean Streets Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm, um, I'm going to do a young Harrison Ford. Great. Um, and... Um, I guess I'm just doing, I, I, I don't mean to be so ageist, but I'm also going to do a young Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Great. Uh, Keanu Reeves actually at any age is, he I know. can get it, yeah. He's pretty great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, next category. Let's do three movies that you can step into and just be in. You're not reenacting the plot. You're just in that world, enjoying yourself whenever you want. Mm, I have to go fantasy. I want to be... I mean, I'm, I obviously we know I'm a nerd at this point, but I think Harry Potter. Like, I want to be able to get in there, play Quidditch, um, and yeah. then I'm going to do Star Wars also. Great. I think hopefully I'm not like in the middle of the wars for either of those. I think the third I'm going to do is um, A League of Their Own. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah. For good reason. Okay. All right. Uh, let's do a TV show that you could have been a member of the cast in. Oh, I love from that any one. Era. That's from so good. Era. Yeah. Lost. <laughs> right? Um, Lost, The Sopranos. I'll shout out to my Italian side of the family. Yeah, girl. And, um, ooh, and then... Hmm. That's like a really incredible world of a TV show. Um... I don't know. What's my third? Sorry. No, no, no. I is mean, this listen, a, first of all, don't apologize. Is this? But this is and this is like you're in the cat, like you're in the cast as an actor. Like oh, you know, you're on a show. Oh. It's not like the movie. The movie becomes real. The movie is like it's real. This is like Ali is one of the stars of The Sopranos. Oh, and like Ali is one of the stars of Lost. She lives in Hawaii when it's shooting, which is a lot. And she, you know, she's like doing interviews because she's one of the most beloved characters on the show. Like it's it's like r- real life Hollywood, if that makes any Incredible. kind of sense. Incredible. I'm going to pick. I'm going to so keep you can change those. Different I'm, I'm going to keep yeah, those I mean, because it's like I would, too. Yeah, I want to live in Hawaii for most of the year and be in Lost. Mm-hmm. And I would absolutely want to be in this fantastic series. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, then for the third, I feel like I have to pick like. Although, see, if I, I was going to say Fleabag, but it's like, well, I can't be Phoebe Waller-Bridge because I don't want to It would have to be that. a new season. It would have to be a new season. season in which, you know, you were this new character that had been added. But we could definitely do that. Okay, do let's that? do it. Okay, great. All right. And then final category. Let's do... Let's do three skills that you would love to have uh, if you could just sort of wake up and have downloaded it Matrix style. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I would love um, to speak. I don't know if this is a skill, but like to to be great at language, like to speak sure. all, all the languages in the world or to be able to speak yes. a lot of languages really well. Yes. That's something I deeply desire. Um, Same. A little Duolingo over here is telling me I'm, I'm not doing well. And then um, <laughs> singing. I'd love to be a great singer. Um, right. And then for the third, I would like to um, be like, I think like running is something that I really wish that I enjoyed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, totally I wish I could be it. like a marathon runner. Yeah, people who like have that runner's high that sort of swear by the as it's described by people who love it. I'm like, oh, I wish I had that relationship to it. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, give me a number between one and seven. Two. OK, great. All right. I'm going to do this. It's probably going to go fairly quickly since you gave me a low number. And oh, okay. I would love for people to tell you for people for you to tell people where they can find you, what you're working on. Um you know, listen, this is people got to know where where to go and see videos of you and experience your wonderfulness. So please tell everybody where they should be going to do that Thank and what you're you. excited about. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am um, a writer on The Morning Show and my I'm an actor in this movie, The End of Us, that uh, was released in December, which you can rent on um, Amazon or Apple and watch for free on the Roku channel on Instagram at the real Ali Vingiano. <laughs> and um, I also have a substack, which is allyv.substack.com, where I write about 
um, creativity and well-being and the craft and career of writing. Um, I teach writing at Script Anatomy as well. And um, I also teach writing and yoga retreats. So, oh, how fun! Yeah. I didn't know that part. That's yeah. really cool. Yes, yeah, smart it's, and good. I love it, and I'm doing one. I'm doing two this year: one in Costa Rica and one in Italy. Wow! So, oh, that's come join. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, I would love to do either. Okay, I'm gonna have to collect some deets. On yeah, that. for sure. In the interim, I have been able to uh, get some real good stuff going for Ooh. you in your Mash universe as well. Um, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! I mean, where do I even start? Well, uh, first of all, there's definitely um, something that sort of runs through a couple of these that feels very, very right to me. Listen, I, you're honoring your Italian side, not in every category in which it was possible for you to do so, but certainly by ending up with a young Robert De Niro Ooh. living part time or full time, if you want, in your mansion on Lake Cuomo. Oh, my God. With unlimited pizza. This is I can't. I, this is too much. <laughs> I'm so excited. I want this life. <laughs> So there's there's our Italian strain that's running through there. Um, I also want to congratulate you on your ability to, uh, for some reason, if you want to take a break, listen, life, you'll get, there will be a point at which you're like, as beautiful and brilliant as this life is, I still need to dip into Star Wars mm, from time to ooh. time. So I want you to know you could zing over into the Star Wars universe whenever you want. Uh, you are also a phenomenal singer. Um, in your life, in every aspect, uh, wherever you want to bring it, certainly you're bringing your beautiful voice to your role as Fontaine <gasps> in Les Mis. Oh, my God. And you have also uh, had a fabulous collaboration with Lucille Ball, one of Ooh. the classic comedians of uh, any age. And um, and you're, uh, you've enjoyed your time in Hawaii as well uh, as a cast member on Lost. So good on you. This is pretty good stuff. Much. This is a dream come true. <laughs> this is making me reevaluate my wants in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a very glowing uh, mash outcome. I'd say you made some great choices and uh, the, the fortunes were working in your favor, my friend. So <laughs> well played you. Uh, this has been so fun. I'm so glad we got a chance to finally connect. I hope we get to see each other in person, yes. be it at a, a writing retreat or something even more basic in Los <laughs> Angeles. Would also be great. Uh, and uh, everybody, check out Ellie's stuff, please. She's got a lot going on. This is what I like to hear. I like to hear about these uh, multi-hyphenates who are also giving back by teaching, which is fantastic. So you're awesome. Thank you so much. It was so nice to finally do this. And um, thank you for giving me this wonderful life. Oh, you're so welcome. It was, you know what, as generous as it seems of me, it was actually fairly easy for me to keep that life. So it's not as huge of a sacrifice as you might think. All right, everybody, I will talk to you next week on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should Move someplace new